Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study here in my office. Every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad you're with us right now or whenever it is that you're watching these broadcasts. I pray that you would uh, be stirred and get your Bibles, your pencil, your paper, take notes as we go through uh, the Word of God, studying to hear from the Lord, not just to know what the Bible says, uh, but what the Bible means and how does this apply to me because God's Word was sent to us for us to live according to it. That's how faith comes. It's the only way faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's found in Romans 10 and 17. But today, the good news is we get to start in chapter 9. It took us 40 sessions to get through chapter 8, and I'm excited to be turning the page today. I was tremendously blessed, probably more than anyone, because uh, to study and to dig and to find, to be able to present <clears throat> and, to, and to, to pray and to seek the Lord, uh, to find the gold, the, the wondrous things that are wit written in His Word for us is, is, is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Listen, I want to I let you in on something today. If you want to walk in the great, the greater blessing, then study God's Word. And when you are studying God's Word, He is going to show you things that you will never know. Just sitting under a preacher or just, uh, you know, without the studying of God's Word, you're just not going to... He doesn't just teach you without the Word of God. We've been given the Word of God, and we need to take advantage of that. We need to seize the time we have and to hold God's Word and not just trust some preacher, but uh, get in the Word my own self, your, yourselves, and study God's Word. Here on the second day of March 2020, again, Romans chapter 9, this is part one today, and I just thank you for supporting us prayerfully and financially, those of you who do. Uh, and if you don't, I pray that you would uh, pray about that yourselves because when you find a ministry that is really teaching and preaching God's Word in the context of Christ and Him crucified, the context, the only avenue through which it can be understood properly and grace be imparted and that is determined to know absolutely nothing else that all the doctrines of the Bible come through that avenue, then you need to support that, that ministry. You need if, if, if you are listening and you're growing, it's not about you being known by all these people, all these preachers and all that. It's about you finding your place of planting, planting, being planted, so that you can flourish in the courts of your God. And I just pray that uh, that would happen for you, that you would, uh, where you're being fed, I'm not talking about, you know, we can be fed in, in many different places, but where are we really getting that that is allowing the Lord, the truth, to, to, to grow us, to move us forward, and to teach us to fight the good fight of faith, and to teach us to look nowhere other than the sacrifice of Christ. Wherever that is, my friend, wherever that is, and it can't be a hundred somewheres, it's where God wants you to be planted so that you can flourish. Then you need to pray for them. You need to sow financially into them, wherever that might be. Not the 
who have this and who those who are teaching and preaching God's word as truth in its righteous context. We want we want to give to the most popular name or the uh, the biggest building or the the nicest dressed minister. We we need to give to where God is giving the truth to us and we're learning to live free in victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, I thank you for all of those of you who do support us with more than words, but you encouraging words. You support us in prayer. You support us financially. And many of you don't have a local church to go to because they're not preaching this message. And you need to find some minister somewhere. I didn't say us, but some minister somewhere that is. And there's where you need to sow. There's where you need to sow. And there you'll find what you've been looking for. Amen. I say the truth in Christ. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Now let, let's say something about this uh, first verse here. He says I'm telling the truth and I'm telling the truth in Christ. Because that's the only place the truth can exist is in Christ. I mean, factual statements, the curtain on the door is blue. Okay, that's fact, but that's that may be a worldly truth, but it's not truth that liberates, truth that frees from sin, truth that excels us into the plan of God. That's really a fact. We don't live by facts, we live by truth. We live by faith that comes from hearing God's word as it is truth in righteousness. He says, I say the truth in Christ. And Paul, and I need to say this, I've been saying it on the last few opportunities to minister that I've had, that the Apostle Paul and the other apostles were called of Christ, sent by Christ, and given the authority from Christ to write down what we call the Scriptures. That's the only thing that has stopped, my friend, in the new after the cross in the New Covenant. When the apostles died, there are still apostles, there are still prophets, but what there is not is the authority to write new scripture. That is the only thing that's ended. When you read books about preachers saying that tongues have stopped, no, the, the tongues have not stopped. I speak in other tongues every day. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, the Bible says that you should not forbid tongues. That's in the New Testament. Forbid not tongues. Now, I'm not getting into all that, but there's uh, my point is what Paul the Apostle wrote is what he heard, what he saw that Christ told him to write because he was an apostle of Christ. And he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit means with his faith in the cross because that's what puts us in the Holy Spirit. Amen. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is something totally different. The last chapter, Romans 8, says if Christ dwells in you, you're in the Spirit. So every born-again person is in the Spirit. Now, he says, My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just make mention this morning as we move through these first few verses, uh, possibly in Romans chapter 9, uh, concerning conscience. There's two things. I learned this from my uh, brother and friend, Brother Lauren Larson in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Family Worship Center, that says God has given every human being 
two things, and that is a conscience and a creation to see. And if you think about that, those who never choose Christ, they reject Christ. They don't want anything to do with God, and they end up at the great white throne judgment where all those people at that judgment will be condemned because they rejected the one who was sent and condemned sin in his own flesh on the cross. They never accepted him, didn't want anything to do with him, so they will be condemned and cast into the lake of fire forever and forever, a place of torment and destruction. And one of the things, and you have to think about this, one of the things is going to be their conscience. Their conscience. They knew there was a God. I don't care. Even the atheists, they're liars. They know there's a God. That's why they spend their whole life under the, uh, satanic influence trying to fight against God like there is no God. The reason they're called atheists, they call themselves atheists is because they didn't like the name God gave them in Psalms 53.1, and that's fools. But they changed their name to atheist because they want to be known for not believing in the God they know exists. And one day they'll stand before him. Their conscience has already told them there's a God. The conscience of man lets us know there's a God. Creation lets us know there's a God. You can turn it, you can twist it, and whatever you want to do. But one day all men will bow the knee and confess with their tongues Jesus Christ is Lord, Creator, Judge, Redeemer, and all that we ever needed and was the sinner in everything that took place. And, and I want you to know that, that, that. So when he says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that means his conscience was a good, pure conscience in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was agreeing with him in his spirit. Think about that. Romans chapter 8 says that our spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that we are the children of God. That's the same thing he's, he's, he's trying to get uh, to see that's taking place here. A good, pure conscience is when our conscience is in agreement with God. And the assurance we have, listen, not just some assurance, the assurance we can see that comes from the Word of God as it pertains to Christ and His person, Christ, and His work at Calvary. The grace that we've been saved by, the grace He continues to freely give us that we live by, all based on our faith and what He did at Calvary. That's the only avenue of a pure conscience. Not because we say we're confident and we're sincere and we're sure that we believe, that we are sure about what we believe. Anybody can say that. Muslims say that. We have the Word of God. We have more than a creation. We have more than a conscience. We have the Holy Spirit because we've believed upon Christ and we have entered into the Spirit and the Spirit has entered into us. And therefore, our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Son of God. That He died for our sins, was raised on the third day, and, and our conscience is going to play a big part, I believe, not just in the lost people at the great white throne judgment, but even at the judgment seat of Christ. Conscience. Because right now, any true born-again Christian 
Their conscience is one of the avenues through which conviction comes. Think about that. You can sit you can sit in a meeting where the gospel is preached. I'm talking about to saved people. And you can hear the word of God and our conscience can become seared as the calluses on a hand. Just we, The conscience can become seared where the gospel no longer affects us. We're more interested now in all the little avenues we can get involved in in the world so that everybody will know how we feel about that and how we feel about that and I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. But the gospel is not playing a part in any of that because our conscience has grown seared over concerning the gospel. Think about that. What he's headed to here, after he's taught so many wonderful things in the first eight chapters of this book, this letter, rather, to the church in Rome and to you and me. But he says, and, and there's a lot more that could, when you start talking about conscience, there's a lot of things that can be said there. Because God uses the conscience. Lost people have a conscience, as we've already mentioned. But he says here that I have great heaviness, and that word means sorrow, and continual grief, sorrow, in my heart. Continual. It won't go away. All of Paul's life, he was, he was heavy in sorrow, and he was constantly, without end, grieved in his heart concerning his kinsmen, his fellow Jewish people according to the flesh. Watch this. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now you have to imagine this, the Apostle Paul who's accepted Christ, who appeared to him, revealed himself to him. And many times we say, well, why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that for Paul? Why didn't Jesus do that for Gamaliel? Why didn't Jesus do that for Caiaphas? Why didn't Jesus do that to, to other people like he did Paul? Well, we can't fully know the answer to that question. The best thing I believe that we could possibly say is that Paul wanted to know God. He wanted to know God. He wanted that which was real. He wanted that which was right. And I believe the, the true sign of that is when truth comes, those who are really after truth, not just what they call a move of God or what they think God might be, those who are after truth, the reality why I'm here, what, what is going on here, and all that's found in God. When you're looking for what's real, what's right, which is the truth of God, when you're looking for truth, God is going to show up because he is truth, and he's going to reveal himself to you. It wasn't just about a great mission for Paul. That was included, but it was something to do with the heart. Never, never believe, never believe ministers who are in this Calvinistic uh, heresy that, that we had nothing, absolutely nothing to do within our salvation experience. Now, now, now wait a minute before you run off. 
We couldn't pay for it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't have any merits to, 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 to earn this or deserve it. And couldn't buy it. Couldn't do anything. But we had to believe. And that was our choice, was to believe. And we'll see some more of that as we go through this. That false predestination that God chose that bunch to go to heaven and that bunch to go to hell, that's absolutely unbiblical. And you have to let that go. If God shows you one, two, three witnesses in the Word, declares in the Word, scriptures and plainly written that refutes that what you thought you knew, that which cannot be true because you're seeing these other scriptures, here's where your conscience comes in. Because your conscience cannot stay good and pure before God if the Bible says it was not God's will that any should perish but that all should be saved and you're still trying to believe that God's will was to send some to hell. You can't have a good conscience in that. Once you're given scripture concerning something that plainly and openly refutes what you've been taught using other scriptures in a wrong context which no light of God was shining through them, you have to let go of that and go with what God is showing you as right. And if you don't, your conscience is no longer pure before the Lord. Your conscience is no longer a good conscience. Now there's something pricking away at you in your conscience. And you have to, and you got to be careful about this because what we'll do is we'll get in the flesh and we'll get carnal and we'll go try to get a big bunch of people that agree with the way we want to believe instead of what the Holy Spirit is stirring and speaking and trying to teach us. You've got to be careful about that, my friend. He says, For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for, for my brother and my kinsman according to the flesh. Now you have to think about Paul. Accepting Christ as the Lord, accepting his mission from Christ, and all of a sudden, in this convoy of Jews, this convoy, picture it this way, this convoy of Jews heading down this way, and all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul takes a turn. How grievous, how, how heartbreaking and grievous it must be. He says, heavy sorrow continual grief to choose to follow Christ and to look in the rearview mirror and see everybody else not stopping. We're not going the way of Christ and his sacrificial work. We're not going the way of what you're calling grace, Paul. We're not going the way of what you are claiming that even the Gentiles can be. We're not going that way. And Paul is grieved beyond imagination. He's continually sorrowful and grieved over this because these are his brothers and sisters. These are his of this same Abrahamic Jewish descent. Think about that. Now, I don't think that we today uh, 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 are really experiencing the heaviness and the grief to that degree. I'm not saying we couldn't. 
But even us who God has been able to bring back to the cross and even back to the cross and by His grace we stay there and are determined and becoming more determined to preach nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, it grieves our heart continually to look in the rearview mirror and see some touching and dabbling and then moving on. Some looking at it and never stopping by. Some just focused on Pentecost. We got to get back to Pentecost. We, we got to focus on Pentecost. And make no mistake, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues every day of your life. You need to be operating in the gifts that God has given you. And yes, we need we desperately need all of that, and it is for today. Peter said it is for all who are called of God, but it is not the focus. When it becomes the focus, you'll just keep driving right on by where God wants you to come back to. All these meetings these folks are having, and get back to Pentecost. Get back. No, you need to get back to Calvary. There's where the first love took place. There's where the first works took place. That wasn't your works, my friend. That was where the Holy Spirit began to work in your life. Based on that faith that was given to you, that measure of faith that works by love, Romans 12, 3 and Galatians 5, 6. Think about that. All focused on Pentecost. Let me tell you something. Folks who are focused on Pentecost... Holy Spirit's not going to let them have the power of Pentecost because that's not the focus the Holy Spirit is trying to get them to look at to see so that he can be the actual power they're looking for. Don't forget that. You're chasing after these ministers who are just, that's all they want to talk about is Pentecost. You better find those that's talking about what God says the power of God is, and that's the preaching of the cross. Hallelujah. Not the mentioning of it and focused on Pentecost, but the focus on Calvary so the experience of Pentecost can come. Thank you, Lord, for that revelation in these last days. Now listen, you're going to be grieved when you look in your rearview mirror, so to speak, and you see these folks. They're not getting it. That blood-stained cross, oh, that, that, that ain't what they're, oh no, we're after this, we're after that, we're after this, we're after that. Let me say it again, I said it a couple of months ago, being filled with the Holy Ghost and not preaching and focusing on the message of the cross, determining to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, and all you do is focused on Pentecost is like sitting in the car full of gas talking about the gas in the tank, but you ain't going nowhere. Message of the cross will take you where you need to be, provide the power to get you there and to see the very experience of God when you, along the way and when you get there, and the mission will be carried out by those, yes, who are full of the Holy Ghost, preaching the power of God, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Never forget it. But he says here, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brother and my kinsman according to the flesh. Paul wasn't saying I'm going to give up everything I got so they can be saved. He wouldn't do that. He says, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brother and my kinsman according to the flesh. There's a colon there. And then he's going to begin to list seven things that God has given Israel for the purpose of bringing this redemptive plan of God to fruition in this nation, all that he's done in this nation, the things that he's 
imparted to this great nation of Israel. And make no mistake, God's not through with Israel. Jesus going to come back and they all going to believe in him that day. Thank God for that. He says what he begins to list these seven things. Now watch this. Who are Israelites according uh, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, and the patriarchs, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. Now I want you to go study these things. Look at this with your own eyes. God gave Israel these benefits, these promises, these blessings. He used this nation to bring forth the purpose. The reason he gave Israel all these things is because he was using them to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, who God has blessed forever and forever and who is over all and over all these things that God has given Israel. Now think about that. And he goes on to say there in verse 6, Not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. It's like today. Not everybody who claims to be a part of the church is the church. You're not the church because you say you are. You're not the church because you say you want to be. You're not the church because you know you should be. The people of Israel, the true Israel which that word means people of God, the true Israel, the true church, are those who've been bought by the blood. Not those who say they have. Those who from their heart, with their hearts, not the thing pumping blood in their body. The heart of who you are. You have believed that God sent His only begotten Son to die in the place of you. For the forgiveness of your sins. You believe that. In the deepest part of who you are, you trusted in that. You believed unto that righteousness God provided through His Son for you at Calvary. Think about that. You believe that truth, that gospel, you were liberated from your sins. And you are the true church. Not those who sit in a pew just because they sit in a pew. Not those who bring a Bible and, and, and share the Word just because they share the Word. We just automatically think that anybody in a church is a Christian. Listen, not every preacher, that man and woman that claims to be a preacher is a Christian. You must believe that Jesus died for you and that that is the only avenue that God can be pleased with you initially or daily. You must accept Christ, not and something. Listen carefully. If I put an and after, yes, I believe Christ died for my sins and I also know that in that and also I must that is a statement also with the heart to God, even though it doesn't come out in the lips. It's a heart statement to God. The cross was not enough. It can never be the cross and what I do. Jesus did the work. He declared it was finished from the cross. Not even anything he had to go do after the cross. 
It was finished from the cross. And you and I are called to walk in that which has been finished. And the Word of God, Paul says, it's not as though it didn't have any effect, because it did. Not all Israel is, is Israel. Neither because they're the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac thy seed shall be called. In Isaac the seed shall be called. And we, listen, we will get into this Thursday morning a little deeper, and it's just going to be good going through here. I pray that you join me. I pray that you would, uh, why don't you do something maybe you hadn't done? Why don't you share this teaching so others that are just going through so much confusion, they don't understand the Bible, they've never been taught the Word after they've been saved in the context of Christ and what He did at Calvary. And that is the only avenue the Holy Spirit is going to impart and lead you in because he doesn't just lead you in the Word of God and he doesn't write the Word of God in your heart per se. He writes the truth of God in your heart. He leads you in the, he guides you in the truth of God's Word. Now you, there, listen, many people are sharing the Word in some other avenue other than the righteous context that it's in. And all that can be produced there is unrighteousness and ungodliness, even though it puts on an outward form and a show for us to see and look at and think, wow, they're spiritual. But in God's eyes, my friend, according to the Word of God, if, the, if His Word is not in its righteous context, which means always pointing to the righteous one and His righteous work at Calvary, then that means all that can be produced in God's eyes is unrighteousness and ungodliness, and the wrath, of he the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against that. Now, one question before we close today. Who do you think that's revealed to? Because he says it's revealed. That which God is opposing, there are some people on the planet that can see that which God opposes. Who are they? Those that are clinging to the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Faith in the cross of Christ alone. And those who are using God's Word out of that context, even telling the Old Testament stories to pump the people up, if they don't apply the blood, if they don't apply the blood to their message, they're holding God's Word outside of its righteous context. And listen, doesn't matter what we think, matters what God's Word says, all that can be taking place is ungodliness, even though... It's a form, but it's lacking the power. You and I, with faith in the cross, can see what God accepts, what God resists. But only looking through the blood can that be seen. God bless you. I love you. Pray for us. We're praying for you. We'll see you again on Thursday morning this week at 8.30 a.m. for this part two of this Romans chapter nine teaching. We love you, and until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.